Are you ready to be entrefied? Let's break free of the life we are told to live. Create freedom and wealth by adding value to others' lives. Challenge traditions, challenge authority, and get entrefied. Hey guys, welcome to the show tonight. We've got uh, Jeff here with us on another Monday with Jeff. Jeff, how are you? I am doing wonderful, Patrick. How about yourself? Doing pretty great. Doing pretty great. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. All the listeners out there, I know we're in 30 plus countries. I mean, we're really just got all these people listening, all these great people calling in and a lot of stuff going on lately. Um, you know, lately I've, I've been seeing that a lot of people in this time right now, I know with the crisis going on, the pandemic, the COVID, I mean, people's beating that dead horse to death, but as far as what you can do during it. And so I want to kind of take a different approach. And I've actually had a few people call me, a few people ask me about this, and maybe you guys, the listeners, can, can relate to this. But a lot of people right now are seeing opportunities to in, invest in you know stocks, uh, real estate, different avenues, because they're realizing that they only have one income stream. And when they lose that one income stream, they don't have anything else. You know, it's like a well running dry. And so, you know, like I said, I've had people ask me, hey, how do we, how do you make multiple sources so that way you don't have this issue? And so one source, uh, and, and this is more referring to passive income because obviously you're working, you don't want to deal with another job. You want it to be more passive. And so tonight we're just going to break down a little bit about real estate and some ways you can uh, get income from there passively and actively if you want to be more active. So. Yeah, I guess really the first question people ask is, hey, what? how do I get into real estate? So, Jeff, how do you get into real estate? You're somebody, you don't got anything. You got some, I don't know, you got some money in your pocket. How do you get started? What do you do? Well, I'm just going to give you Jeffology 101, okay? So it, this is not across the board how everybody recommends it. I think everybody has a different style. Um, but one of the things that I would recommend you doing is make sure you got a little money to start with. And a lot of people say, well, if you can get the credit, go do it. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, how I did it, I was sitting down here writing some figures while Patrick was talking uh, about some houses that I bought and trying to remember what I bought them for. But I do remember one of the first houses that I bought. Actually, I remember the first house that I bought. And it was, I want to say it was in the 40s. Now, this house, in my opinion, uh, I would have been surprised at one point to get it for 70, 75. And it was a foreclosure. Uh, and at the time it was my first house. Actually, let me back up. I'm actually not telling the truth on that. I think if I ain't mistaken, yeah. Uh, my wife actually, she had uh, a trailer. And when, she, when we got married, uh, eventually that might've been actually the officially the second house I got, but it was the first one that I really bought. It's the first one that I really thought of, Hey, this is, this is the one, this is the starter, even though it might've been the second one. Okay. So guys, it's been a little while since this happened. Excuse me a little bit, but, uh, the first house that I really pride myself in buying, I bought in the forties. Okay. And that was a foreclosure. And, um, at the time, I was walking through this and I remember somebody uh, close to me. I won't get into names here, but they said, Oh, you don't need this house. You know, don't, this house don't look good. And uh, look at the roof. Look at this and look at that. And 
one of the first things that I would tell you to do if, uh, if you wanted to is it's just my opinion. It's not necessarily factual for everybody. And I'm not giving you advice. I'm just giving you straight of what I did and what I would do. Uh, I look at the facts. I don't try to get too emotional about things. People look at it as you could lose. You could lose your money, you know. Look at the facts of how things are. If something's in its 40s, okay, then you got to figure out how much that you're going to rent that for. Let's say you're renting, okay. So if you're taking $600, which I haven't run the math out here, Let's just say it's $600 in that area. How long is it going to take you to pay that house off? Okay, and we'll probably get into numbers a little bit more later in this show. But that's uh, something you need to really consider. How much is your interest rate? How much is your principal? How long is it going to take you renting this house to pay this house off? But personally, a house that's worth, let's say, seventy, seventy-five. And you're buying it at 40, you know, if it's in good value, it has a lot of good value. It's kind of hard to go wrong in a situation like that in a good market. And you might say, well, why does these things happen? And Patrick, stop me if I'm going on and on because you know, this is a subject that uh, I talk a lot about. Um, so you'll have to just jump in over the top of me here. But the gist of it is I would have a down payment. Most banks take you, they want you to have 20% down, you know, uh, that I've seen. Uh, now, you may be able to get different. I think you need at least that. On your first house, it just makes sense. Uh, I'm going to give you some numbers off the top of my head. I haven't calculated them, okay? But let's just say you buy a house that's thirty, dollars $35,000. That's kind of the sweet spot a lot of times for a really, if you get a really good value house, which is almost impossible, at that price in certain areas. If you can rent it for $500 a month and the, let's say the mortgage is somewhere around with your mortgage payment and interest, you're paying, uh, close to 400. Okay. So let me, let me break that down. Your mortgage is, let's say $400. And like, again, I'm doing this off the cuff. I haven't worked the calculations. Uh, let's say it's $400 mortgage and you're bringing in $500 a month. Well, that's a hundred dollars a month that you're making off of that. Okay. Well, now I want you to consider that you're going to be paying more than likely you're going to be paying insurance. So that's roughly, I calculate that at about $50 a month. You're going to pay probably at least $50 land taxes. So by the time you pay all that, you're just breaking even. How does that sound, Patrick? Well, I mean, I would say. You know, I would say most people, when you're going into investing and passive income, you can't view it as you're about to get rich quick, you're about to blow up, you're about to make a million dollars overnight. It's just not reasonable. And even if it is reasonable, let's say you did make a million dollars overnight, you wouldn't know what to do with it because you haven't created that, you know, you haven't really learned how to manage that portfolio. So you haven't really, you know, compounded your experience. You don't have the experience to manage it. And so... You know, you're just starting out. You wouldn't want a million dollars to manage in real estate. That would be scary. Yeah. I mean, that'd be scary. You would, you would get anxiety. You would get sick. I mean, how how do you think people like Warren Buffett, who are managing billions of dollars, feel? You know, every day, if if, if you just gave that somebody brand new off the street, they wouldn't be comfortable in that situation. So you have to be okay with saying, "Hey, you know, I'm investing for the future, 
and I'm okay with these moderate gains. I'm okay with compounding my gains over time. I'm not trying to hit a home run. You're just trying to hit singles. You're trying to hit a yeah. double. Every now and then you're going to hit a home run maybe. Every now and then you're going to hit a triple. But if you're going up to the at bat and you're swinging for out of the park every time, you're just going to strike out all day. And you may get one every now and then, but it's just not going to be good. And so, you know, really the best analogy I can say for investing is it's kind of like a like almost like a war. You know, like it, a war isn't fast. You're not just like, hey, guys, let's make this a quick war and end it. No, it's it's a series of battles, things going on, different logistics and stuff. So when you're looking at real estate, you got to look at the the numbers as just a series of little battles. And so I say that because the real estate I'm investing in is it's a real estate investment trust fund. And so basically what these are is basically you pull your money together with a bunch of different people and you buy massive million, multi-million dollar properties and you just get like shares issued of it. And it's generally through a private company. And so, you know, you go in there and you kind of pick what kind of properties you want to invest in, you know, heavy debt. Do they have a, you know, what's their debt to income? You know, what, what are their asset value? You know, what it, you know, are they making payments on time? Is everything good? Kind of looking at the history of the business, uh, the real estate. And, you know, I'm I'm looking, going into something like that, I'm expecting to make 10% gains a year. You know, year over year, 10%, 8-10%, you know. I think that's a reasonable amount. So you got $100,000, you make 10%, 10 grand. I think that's reasonable. And, you know, a lot of people will try to shoot for more, and that's good. You can definitely get that. But, you know, thinking you're going to go into investment with ten grand and you're going to make fifty—that's a little bit harder to pull off. Now there are ways you can you can flip houses and stuff like that, and you can go into the flipping aspect of it, which is kind of more short term. So the different ways you can invest—you can do short term, you know, long term buy and hold and stuff—and kind of really, you know, in my opinion, I think you know the flipping stuff that is a a lot harder than what HGTV makes it look like. You know, a lot of people are like, oh man, you can flip the stuff. <laughs> it's not that easy. Those people, oh, you know, I flipped this house from three hundred to seven hundred. You know, oh, oh, three months we sold. And, you know, they're all smiling, happy. They got like kids. It's not that. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's a lot of work and a lot of numbers going into it. And so, you know, calculating that, I, I like the REIT because it doesn't require manpower. I don't have to go in there and bust down walls. I don't know how to do that. I just don't. So you're an investor. You don't want to get your hands dirty. You don't want to. You don't want to put the twenty percent down. That's another avenue. You know, projected eight, ten percent returns. Uh, there's platforms you can utilize, like Fundrise, different places you can go uh, that gives you the opportunity to invest without having to buy properties and without having to do that. So that's just a different avenue to make you guys aware of that. And that you know, I have more the more experience there. Um, but so. So I guess the next question would be, let's say, how do I make a decision? How do I say, should I use REIT, which is more passive, or should I do, you know, traditional buying the house like you're talking about, Jeff? So how, how would somebody choose which route to go in real estate? You know, flip, buy and sell, wholesale, flipping it, uh, holding it for long term. How would you choose what's best for you? Well, I think it depends on the person and the situation they're in. One of the things, and that seems, sounds like a, just a smart answer, so to speak, but I think you, and he, Patrick has heard this so many times, I think you find your leverage point. And, you know, I keep saying that. It's something that I really believe in. 
But I want to step back for just a minute and then I'll try to address that question. Number one, you need money to be able to do this. Okay. <laughs> so you're either going to be selling a product. You're, you've got a business that's bringing in a lot of money or you're working for somebody. Okay. Let's just hope that you're making a lot of money. If you're not making a lot of money, it's a lot harder, guys. It just really is. Now, a lot of people, they'll go to the bank, they'll find the funding, they'll use collateral, and they'll do that. And I'm not saying you cannot use no money down techniques. I'm not saying that. Uh, I am not an expert at any means at uh, on no money down because I've always uh, – now, I have used collateral and things like that. But to answer your question, it depends on your risk, uh, how much you're willing to risk. Some people look at it as as long as they can get the money, they just keep going. They keep rolling. They keep getting something that gets them a return on investment. Get as many as you can get is their idea and make sure you can get all the money you can get and just put it out there making money because you get so many numbers out there and the likelihood that all of them come folding down on you like a house of cards sometimes may be minimal. Well, look where we're at. Look where we're at right now. The house of cards may be falling. Who could have predicted it? The thing of it is, always build yourself a plan B. I like a B, C, and D. That's what I generally say. But always have yourself a plan B. Personally, I feel like this is going to be a long podcast, and I don't want to get too detailed. So let me just answer his question. I think what you do is you save a, a lot of money first if you're going to go just traditional and kind of safe, okay? You, if you could even save half, okay, you save half down, go in there, pop it down, and then you've got a renter that's making you money every month. So what? You can't do it in five years. Guess what? In 10 years, chances are you're going to have a long way of that, that being paid off. Once you get that first one, you can use that money to invest in the next one and so on and so forth. So what I would probably say do until you could get down uh, to where you can pay half down on something, use use the money you have. Let's say you had $10,000. If you can draw 10% interest, okay, you know, then why wouldn't you draw 10% interest on that? Because $10,000 invested in something that's actually going to lose you money. Let's do the math on this right fast. This is really quick, okay? Let's say you got a $50,000 house. You put $10,000 down. That's $40,000, okay? You got a, let's say a 6% interest rate and you got your mortgage, depending on if you know how to calculate the interest in the mortgage. But let me just tell you, let me just save you the, the long and short of it. You're going in the hole every month. Now you're, you're, you're basically getting, you're paying off your mortgage. So you could sell that property in theory. Uh, and at the time of the sale, you would have made money because you're paying it off, but it's unrealized profit profit until you sell the property. I hope people understand that. I don't have a lot of time today to break that down. But what I'm getting at is until you can make a huge down payment on something, it makes sense for me to probably uh, uh, just use something that make me 10, 10%, even if it's like 7%. You know what I mean? 
it would be better for me to put it in something like that. And, and bear in mind, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not giving you advice. I'm saying if it was my money, there's no way that I would want to put it in something that lost money unless I was going to flip the house. Uh, and to answer your question there, uh, why wouldn't you put it in there to flip? I like to have two outs, as I mentioned before. So if I buy a house, I want to make sure that it's going to make me money in rent. And if it don't make me money in rent, I don't want to do it. And so it's got to make me money on rent. And then I want to put value back in that property so that when I sell it, if I decided to want to get out of the rental market, that it's worth more than what I paid for it. If I can't accomplish those two goals, I'm probably not buying the property. Now, let me tell you, because I'm kind of going over a little bit here. Let me tell you what I see a lot of people doing. They buy houses that are falling in on themselves, and they rent them. I actually had somebody tell me this. They said uh, that they knew this person that was renting a house that you could see the dirt from inside the house. And they told me how much they was renting it for. And, uh, you know, that was, I've, you know, run into a lot of people. That's how they rent their houses. Personally, it's not how I want to do it. Now, I'm not saying they don't make more money on that house than I make money on mine. It's I'm building value back into that house so that I can walk out of it. Or I can use it for collateral. So you got a house you buy for 30, you know, you're renting it. You've got 10 in it. It's now it's worth 60 because you put 10 in it. Yes, that's 40, but you've increased the value up to 60. You can borrow money in a lot of cases on 80% of the house's appraisal value, which that goes into you have to have appraisal and all that. Uh, but you can borrow money to buy another piece of property off of the improvements that you've done from this property over here. And not put any money down. Absolutely no money down. So if anybody's listening, in my opinion, one of the best things to do is get something paid for. That first house that has great value, once you get it paid for, things become easier. Does that make sense, Patrick? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I like that advice because, you know, it's it's all about cash flow at the end of the day. You got got negative cash flow let's say and what i mean by cash flow is you're making five grand a month and you're spending six grand a month you're in the hole you're losing money every month you you can't survive off that so if you're trying to create a new income stream you know passive income whatever let's say you're making five grand a month and then you're you have a rental property that you've purchased 100 percent free and clear and it's making you 500 bucks a month you're now at $5,500 a month. You see how that adds, you know, that adds to your income over time that increases your cash flow. And now you have an extra $500, like Jeff's talking about, to invest in that next property. So let's say that next property you get, it needs work. It needs a lot of work. Well, now you have the ability to put in that, that equity to get it fixed up to where it needs to go. Because some of these losses, sometimes when you get a house, you got to put work into it. I mean, that just goes with it. And, you know, in any investment, you got to lose money first before you make money oftentimes. And so now you got a cushion. you got that extra cash flow to help you out, that extra collateral to say, you know, I'm going to go with this. I can go a little bit bigger this time. I can be 
I can have, you know, a better shot at making this work because I have extra cash flow. But, you know, last thing I want to talk about tonight is leverage. And I think that's a real big key to it. Um, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is very powerful as leverage. And what do I mean by leverage? Well, Jeff said oftentimes when you talk to a bank, they want you to have 20, 25% down for an investment property. So let's say it's a $100,000 house for simple math. And you're going to need 25K probably cash. And that's just bare minimal, right? And so what? where's that other 75 grand coming from? Oh, it's leveraged. It's leveraged. They're giving you the money. And so you're giving them 25K for pretty much 100K in value. So your, your, your money, what is it, one to four ratio? So your money is becoming, you're, you're, you're basically turning that 25K into 100K. And that's, you know, that's leverage. And so you're making your money bigger than what it appears to be. And there's a story in the Bible where they were, I don't remember exactly what this was, but there was a bunch of people camped out, a big army. And this guy went up on a hill and he took a torch out and he got all the other troops to go and encircle the camp with their torches to make it look like they had a massive army. But in reality, they didn't. They just had the torches. And so when you when you have that leverage to say to appear, you know, to get more than what you put in, you know, it's pretty powerful. But at the same time, it's a double edged sword. It could hurt you. So like right now in this random financial crisis, if you're over leveraged, you don't have the money to to make up for that because of what's going on. People can't pay their rent and stuff and you don't got the money. You don't have the cash flow. You're over leveraged. It could, you know, it could definitely ruin you. It could wipe it you can. out. It can so wipe it's a, you out. Yeah. It's a, it's a double edged sword. And so me personally, I like, I like to do, I don't know, 25, 50% when I'm doing stocks or something leverage. That way, I, if I got a hundred dollars, I'm only borrowing maybe 25 to make my hundred now 125. So then when I get that 10% return on my investment, I'm getting 10% of 125 as opposed to my $100. So now I'm getting $12.50 as opposed to $10 or you know vice versa. If I get 100k, I'm getting 10 I'm getting 12.5 grand instead of 10 grand because I leveraged, you know, some amount of money. And uh, that can that can definitely grow or kill your business. So we got to be careful with it. So you know, Jeff, what's your take on leverage? Can it? Because I think it can really speed you up, but at the same time, it can slow you down. So it's kind of a little more advanced. Uh, leverage is important. I mean, um, you know, I use collateral in the houses I've got, which now I've basically told you what I've, I've done. I take a house that's basically fell in on itself, and I try to buy it at a good rate. If I can't buy it at a rate, you number one, you got to know your numbers. You can't just go in and just say, you know what, I think this will work. You've got to know how much it's going to cost to do a lot of this stuff. And you got to know once you put that in, if the, if the juice is worth the squeeze, so to speak. For instance, after you put all this in, is it going to be appraised uh, for a good amount? Can you get something back with that? But I do want to cover, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, leverage is super important because you can take a house at, and, and buy another house uh, with the value of another house and never put no money down. And I've done it. Uh, actually, I think I've done it several times. I, a lot of them I had done with uh, just putting cash down, but I got into this leverage deal and um, that kind of thing. And it's not bad necessarily, but I want people to understand something before I get too far off the reservation here. 
And that is, I am not giving you advice on this. You need to consult a professional on this. Now, this is more or less just information, but you take this, it's just entertainment value and a little experience that I've had. But I want you to understand, you need to get with somebody that knows what's going on. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. With your life, personally and in business, we do offer success coaching. And success coaching is basically finding out where you're at and what that next step is. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, I don't even know what I want to do. Well, you don't have to. Uh, what we try to do is try to guide you to the point where you say, hey, this is what I think I want. You know, this is the next step for me. And so it ain't about us telling you, okay, hey, this is what you do. This is what you do. We ask questions and put a process in place so that you come to the conclusion, hey, you know what? That is what I wanted. And so you sit there and you have all of that inside of you and you just sense that you want something more, but you don't know what that is. You need to get a success coach. You need to get somebody that can work with you and help you uh, to make that next step. And I wouldn't, I would be very careful as to people telling you what you should do. What a good success coach does, in my opinion, is they ask you questions to find out what your passions are, where you're at, and they try to direct you to you answering your own question, or you are the one making the call. But I wanted to let people know, if you want some success coaching, go to our website, which is entrified.com, and put it in in the in our uh, form there, and we can uh, evaluate it and see if we can help you. But really the first step, just so you know, is when you put this in is looking at it and saying, okay, let's set up a call where we can talk to you and see what you like, see what you're into, see what that next step is for you. And that we generally do that for free. So it's not, it's not something that you, that's what we're starting to do. This is, we've had several people on the call, uh, we're starting this for people to help people. It's also a part of our business model too, but uh, this will be free. So th that's the first step to find out where you're at, where you're going. But um, I hope I answered your question about leverage, but I wanted people to realize that just cause you hear something, you need to know a lot more before you get involved. Does that make any sense, Patrick? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, uh, just kind of in closing, just you know, just because you hear something, it sounds good. Just because it smells sweet, don't you know? It's not always the case. I don't know if you ever heard of the great tulip, uh, you know, bubble. But back in the 1600s, in the in the Middle East, I think it was or China somewhere along there. Uh, basically, tulips, the flower, had become worth like millions of dollars for a tulip because people thought there was some kind of hidden value in them, and you know, a few months later, they they were like, this is just a flower. You know, we can get this anywhere. And then it just wow. crashed. And so it went up to millions of dollars and then crashed. So, I mean, now you, you may be thinking right now, like, well, that's stupid. But back then, they didn't have the Internet, none of that. They were like, oh, tulips this is a good investment. But it's not. So, you know, I see it nowadays. A lot of people getting on YouTube ads, and they'll make these videos talking about you can make a 30 grand a month doing this or that. Don't listen to that stuff, guys. Don't. If somebody's telling you something too good to be true, it, it's probably not. It's probably not. You know, be okay with moderate gains. That's, 
you know, be okay with just getting that win and going, you know, keep going, keep going, getting that, getting those wins. But thanks for listening to the show tonight, guys. Head over to entrefight.com and fill out, fill out a form so we can talk to you about that next step and uh, help you out and hear what you have going on and, and seeing what ways we can get you to go on to that next step of your life. Are you feeling entrefied yet? We hope so. For more information and news updates, check us out at www.entrefied.com or contact Patrick directly on facebook.com slash Patrick Hughes 9000.